Hello and welcome to Tailwinds, the podcast of Air and Space Operations Review, the operationally focused professional journal of the Department of the Air Force. I'm Dr. Laura Thurston Goodrow, and on today's episode, we'll be joined by the authors of Beyond the High Ground, a taxonomy for Earth-Moon systems operations, featured in the summer 2022 issue of the journal. First Lieutenant Adam Wilmer is a U.S. Air Force officer and propulsion engineer for the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Propulsion Directorate focusing on emerging technologies. He is pursuing his PhD in astronautical engineering with a research focus area in utilizing orbits that traverse between the Earth and Moon, an area commonly referred to as cislunar, for logistical type operations. Lieutenant Colonel and Dr. Robert Bettinger is also a U.S. Air Force officer. He is an assistant professor of astronautical engineering and the curriculum chair of the astronautical engineering degree program in the Department of Aeronautics and Astronautics Air Force Institute of Technology. His research focus areas include cislunar orbit design and mission analysis, spacecraft survivability, and atmospheric reentry dynamics. Gentlemen, welcome to Tailwinds. Hey, Laura, well, thanks thank for, you having, for us. Uh, having us. <laughs> You're welcome. So you write that situational and space domain awareness can no longer be confined to that which is found in geosynchronous orbit. International activities, commercial and military, and threats to the planet itself exist or are increasing across our entire Earth-Moon system, and they call for new taxonomy for space domain awareness. Can you explain the current challenges, including the mission types and constraints? um, So we uh, certainly can. A uh, good place to start is actually just with the current uh, taxonomy within our space operations. So Going back to the uh, 1960s, we have been used to this paradigm of having operations in what we identify as near-Earth space. So you have orbits such as low Earth orbit or LEO, uh, geosynchronous Earth orbit or GEO. But now as we go uh, forward in time to the 2019 uh, timeframe, you see a drastic increase in the international attention to the domain or that a volume of space extending between geo and the orbit of the moon. And so with that increased push of international attention, as well as the commercial attention into that area, there has been a drastic shift in the attention of the DOD into that cislunar area. And so as a result of that, my co-author and I, we saw an opportunity to to essentially push the bounds on what the current taxonomy is, to provide the space operator, the, the member of the DOD, and, and also potentially just the member of the general space community with a language by which to actually describe areas within the wider Earth-Moon system. So if we uh, go over to the Air Force uh, Research Laboratory, they have developed a term called XGEO, which is essentially some multiple of the distance where the geosynchronous Earth orbit is away from the Earth. That right there is a good start, but it only gets to the heart of just some measure of distance. On our side, we are looking more at a naming convention, something akin to what we see with that LEO and GEO type of convention for near-Earth space. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, are you, so you kind of talk about um, the structure and missions of space domain awareness too. That's what we moved to after the history of that. Can you talk about the structure and missions that are involved? Yes. Um, so the missions, there's five distinct missions for SVA that we called out. The five are 
space traffic management, space control, lunar and Earth, moon, Lagrange point surveillance, space weather, and planetary defense. Starting from the top, uh, space traffic management, the ultimate aim of that is to promote safe access to and operations in the space domain. Right now, what we're seeing in LEO is a large problem with debris. Um, so being able to distinguish, characterize, and track all of the debris, as well as the thousands of satellites that are in that, that region of space um, is important. But the space traffic management, as we extend our operations past GEO, will become more apparent and needed in the cislunar domain and beyond. Uh, the second, space control, that's a more of a military-centric mission with the goal to protect the U.S. economic in interests amid growing competition um, with our peers and near peers. F or next, the, the lunar and Earth-Moon Lagrange point surveillance, sort of a subset of the space traffic management and space control missions. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is a lot of companies um, and government entities using these Lagrange points, namely the collinear L1 and L2 that reside near the moon. They're using these as uh, outposts for um, lunar infrastructure and lunar surveillance and um, a host of other different applications. Um, so being able to have a mission set that distinctly targets that growing threat uh, is also important. The, the fourth is space weather. With that, thermal radiation and solar flares, they have the, the ability to damage spacecraft that are in any region of space. And thermal radiation also has the ability to alter a spacecraft trajectory. So you can kind of think of uh, a satellite with a big, big solar panels. It's almost like a kite in the wind with right. these with these thermal radiation flares. So um, these high aspect ratio panels, once they get hit with thermal radiation, that very slightly, but enough to after months and years to to really um, alter its trajectory. Um, and then the 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 last one, planetary defense, a less commonly known mission, but uh, NASA actually is currently performing this mission. Um, with its goal to mitigate potentially catastrophic impacts from asteroids, meteors, and comets. Um, so what we, we did was we took all of these five missions and we uh, broke them up into which area in the, in the Earth-Moon system would these missions be um, applied for. Moving to your, to your next question about the constraints. So right now, most of the sensors or many of the sensors in that we're using right now are ground-based. So with that comes a few difficulties. The first and, and most obvious is, is weather. So the ability to see out into space is heavily dampened depending on the weather and the, the time of day and solar blind spots and the location that the earth is with respect to, or the rotation of the earth with respect to where the target is. Uh, the second issue or constraint is the optical abilities for these ground-based sensors, many of which were never really designed to see past geo. So there begins to be a point of diminishing return with that. And finally, solar exclusion angles, which can kind of be thought of as blind spots due to the sunlight coming at you, is another, another constraint with these 
ground-based sensors. There's a lot to address with the new taxonomy <laughs> for sure. Uh, so with the five areas you've identified, and I know some people, you know, those of us who are not um, uh, degreed in this, the planetary defense is probably the most interesting, but I know that there are interests across those five regions and then the constraints, um, especially the current capabilities of our optical deep space surveillance. Tell us about your taxonomy um, that you propose to address these concerns. Sure. Uh, the taxonomy we presented, I'll explain it in as we begin inward and extend out away from the Earth. So we'll begin with the first three regions, the low, mid, and high ground SDA. And these three regions, they all relate back to the saying that space is the ultimate high ground. So low ground SDA, that is going to encapsulate your standard low Earth orbit, MEO, and geosynchronous orbit. So the where most of the current operations are taking place is going to be in, in your low ground SDA. Uh, moving beyond that is your mid ground SDA. This is the region commonly referred to as cislunar, and this is going to extend from your low ground SDA up to and near the a little bit past, sorry, the L3 and Lagrange point. Um, so it's going to encapsulate that whole entire uh, Earth-Moon-Lagrange point system. Moving past that is the high ground SDA, which goes up until just before the Earth-Moon's gravitational sphere of influence. Along the sphere of influence, you have your parapet SDA zone. Um, and a parapet, in terms of a castle, is the top of the wall. So we're kind of viewing this sphere of influence as a wall surrounding the Earth-Moon system. And you'll see too, if you plot a lot of the dynamics around this area, it gets very, very weird and unpredictable and difficult to really control. So past the parapet SDA zone, which is around that Earth-Moon gravitational sphere of influence. And for those listening that don't know what that sphere of influence is, that is the, the region in the Earth-Moon system past that where the sun begins to take precedent for um, the pulling on the spacecraft. Past that parapet SDA zone, the fence line SDA is the, the outward facing, and that is the extent. So kind of as a comparison um, of scale, geosynchronous orbit, that's going to be at a distance of 42,000 kilometers. The moon is at a distance of 380,000 uh, kilometers. And then the sphere of influence, approximately 900,000 kilometers. So a little under three times the distance from the Earth to the moon is where that, that sphere of influence is. That's quite a range. What is the trajectory? I'm just curious of where we are in development and technology to get at that space beyond, you're talking far beyond there. So uh, currently, um, then the the uh, the uh, DoD itself, there is a uh, development with the Air Force Research Laboratory to create what is identified as the Cisluder Highway Patrol System. Um, and so the idea is to have a, a test vehicle which can operate in what we identify as that mid-ground uh, region, which is essentially that lunar realm all the way up 
to the orbit of the moon around 380,000 kilometers. Now, as we extend beyond that, uh, we have had um, historically uh, vehicles go into those higher uh, regions of space, um, but, uh, but uh, most of those uh, missions are interplanetary in the nature or, um, or, um, or they are uh, traversing the area with the intent of exiting the Earth moon uh, system. So as an example of that, back in the uh, 2020 timeframe, the uh, Chinese had a uh, mission which, which went out to a Lagrange point relative to the sun. And most recently, and most famously, was the trajectory of the James Webb Telescope, which also exited the Earth-Moon's system. So as you go beyond the moon, there is a significantly less activity in, in terms of orbits. But that does not mean to say that that will always be the case. And that as the scale that Adam had identified with the sphere of influence being 900,000 kilometers approximately away from the Earth, that is an immense volume of space and also an immense area within which we can operate and there's potential for spacecraft operations. That, that makes sense. Thank you for the, the, the explanation of that. You also uh, talk about mission mechanics in the article. Mission mechanics, um, sure. Um, I'm assuming you mean in terms of where these missions would occur within the taxonomy? Yes, the mapping that you talk about and how how those missions fall into that taxonomy in particular. Sure. So we'll begin again with the, the, the mission of space traffic management. In the early days when, when we're starting this cislunar travel, space traffic management, it's going to reside primarily near Earth and in the near Earth moon system. So because of that, it's going to reside strictly in the low ground and mid ground SDA regions. Um, so that kind of geo and below and cislunar region. The space control mission is going to reside where the space traffic management is due to similar regions with a lot of spacecraft operating in this region. However, it's also going to include the high ground SDA region, really because it's a, a prime vantage point that the translunar space has for, for looking inward. The space weather, really, it could be performed at any region. However, we're going to state that it would best be utilized at the high ground parapet and fence line, um, just due to the, the distance it is away from the Earth. So the ability for these sensors to reach out a little bit extra and see uh, really have a perspective of potential threats to spacecraft. The, the lunar and Lagrange point surveillance, that's going to be nominally in the mid-ground and high-ground SDA region due to the um, surrounding of those regions to the moon and the Lagrange point. And then finally, planetary defense, similar to space weather, it's going to be in the outer bounds of this taxonomy, so the parapet and fence line zones, just because they're, they're again, a primary vantage point for outward surveillance of asteroids and, and comets. That is helpful. The applicability is clear as I, as I listen to that and read what you talked about in your article as well. Do you want to talk about the mission orbits that you addressed? So we could, um, but... Uh... Due to the uh, dynamics of the environment, um, they do get get a little complex uh, okay. for the, the uh, layperson. Um, but 
But a uh, key thing to to identify though is that with the addition of the moon into the into the mix of the dynamics, it creates a lot of opportunities. And those opportunities with this multi-body gravitational environment, which we will include the spacecraft as the as the third body, it creates opportunities for orbits uh, featuring a high a period of motion. And by period, I mean the amount of time it takes to basically conduct one full circuit along that orbit. And so as, as outlined in the paper, there are a a lot of different orbit types which you can actually generate within each of the regions that we give in our taxonomy and each of those have different uh, geometries based on their proximity to the earth and also the the moon that's a great reason for someone to read the article and and get a visual of that because you're right the visual is, is very instructive and makes it make a lot more sense so and i, I will i will say um laura though that Within the context of the addition of the moon and reference frames, you can have these almost artistic looking trajectories that could look like a fish or, you know, a sea turtle or stars. So uh, they, they do get wild, but, but also there's a little bit of beauty in these trajectories too. I think there's a lot. Like I said, the graphic in the article was, was really remarkable. So, and as we as we kind of wrap this up, you know, the point of writing for the journal and these things is to sort of give some ideas and some recommendations for policy. And so where do you see this taxonomy applied? Space Force Doctrine, you mentioned, you know, space obviously is a warfighting domain, um, civilian space architecture, U.S. policy, international space policy. So ideally, I would uh, speak on behalf of my co-author and say all of the above. Um, but uh, but uh, that is definitely a long-term hope. And uh, just bringing down the the intent of the taxonomy itself, our goal is to create a language of, of operation and um, a set of terms by which to describe where operations can occur within the Earth Moon system. And so a natural star is to start to include that in just the space force operations, put that into the uh, doctrine. As that becomes more of a commonplace uh, usage um, to, to describe these operations, which will emerge as currently planned, we hope and we anticipate that to then expand out maybe into civil space, into commercial space with the ultimate hope of it becoming uh, um, more of a commonplace set of terms for all types of operations, not just restricted to space force operations. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Adam, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I would just like to emphasize what my co-author said and um, all of the above. We we would like to see it used and we'll do everything we can to promote this taxonomy because re and really it is needed. Right now, we don't have a good way of describing regions past um, geo. So at least this being a stepping stone for, um, for a more finished product than what we currently have is, is really our goal um, just to progress the, the, the terminology and, and, and really make it easier to kind of describe what's, what's happening along these, these um, difficult to describe regions. Like a new common language. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, is there any final words you'd like to 
um, share with us, either one of you? So beyond uh, thanking you uh, for the opportunity to uh, to allow us to uh, talk about this uh, uh, research, um, just want to uh, direct the audience out to uh, the upcoming Artemis launch um, that is uh, projected for the end of September. Yes. And uh, you uh, watch that, and um, and um, and hopefully it will be a success. But as it as it travels up and around the moon, it will be traversing the low and the mid ground uh, regions within the, our taxonomy. And so just within a, um, an upcoming example, um, we can uh, point to the taxonomy to help us identify where a, um, a high visibility a space mission will actually travel. Wonderful, Robert. Thank you so much. And Adam? I'd just like to thank you for having us on, Laura. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you for joining us on Tailwinds and best wishes on your research. Thank you. Thank you.